WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. This week, North Carolina party politics playing out right here in Mecklenburg County. Republicans fast-tracking new abortion restrictions with the help of newly minted Republican Trisha Cotham. Her recent party switch giving Republicans a supermajority in the General Assembly. Gotham had spent years promising voters she'd protect a woman's right to choose. It's now forcing both parties to dig in ahead of what's likely to be a tough battle ahead in the next election cycle. In a moment, you'll hear from the chair of the Mecklenburg County Republican Party on their new power up in Raleigh. But first, joining us now is the new chair of the Mecklenburg County Democratic Party, Drew Cromer. Uh, Drew, thanks for coming on and congratulations on the new job. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. When it comes to abortion, do you feel like your party fell short in making this the issue for voters last November, considering that a majority of Americans in polls say that they support some uh, abortion uh, sort of rights out there in some variety? Well, I think that this is definitely one of the very important issues that our party needs to be addressing. There are, there are a number of issues, and you know it's hard sometimes to rank which one of them uh, needs to be our top priority. Um, I think that people need to understand the consequences of their local races. You know, when when we don't um, win the Supreme Court seats like the two that we had in 2020, you know, that has a, a massive impact um, on on other things down the road. And Democrats can't take back the state Supreme Court until 2028. I, I think if if we don't tie some of these important issues like um, abortion and gerrymandering, you know, to some of these other races, people don't understand the uh, the reason that they need to turn out and and a race that otherwise wouldn't seem super important to them. Yeah, you just spoke about it. Uh, the, the North Carolina Supreme Court last week ruling Republican-backed voter ID laws are now legal, uh, basically allowing the Republican majority in the General Assembly to draw district lines. How does that change your approach in the upcoming election? Yeah, so it's hard to say right now because we don't know what the maps are going to be, and it looks like we, we could end up with you know, changes in the state house maps, the state senate maps, and our congressional maps. So, you know, depending on how those those maps shake out, that will have a huge impact on on, on what we end up having to do as far as our candidates goes. But, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be really important next time we have an opportunity to take back some seats in the state supreme court that we really help people understand why those races are important. Here in Mecklenburg County, your, your job is, I don't want to say it's an easy one, but Mecklenburg County is a, a blue county. Charlotte's a blue city, solidly Democratic. Um, that said, statewide races like governor, lieutenant governor, rely on Mecklenburg County Democrats to sort of over, sort of represent themselves uh, because they need them. Um, how does that make your job more difficult? Absolutely. And, and you hit it right on the head. That's the most important thing for us is to turn out here in Mecklenburg. You know, we can win a lot of our local races, um, but if we're not driving that overall s score for statewide Democrats, they mathematically can't win. And so if, if Josh Stein, whomever the Democratic nominee for governor is gonna be, for them to win, they're gonna, they're gonna need Mecklenburg to punch at its weight. You know, Wake County in 2020, uh, their turnout was 56%, and the statewide was 51%, and in Mecklenburg, we were down at 45%. So that 11% difference in overall turnout that was 80,000 votes. And the numbers, uh, the gap becomes even larger when you're talking about presidential races. So it's absolutely incumbent on us here in Mecklenburg to drive that turnout up if we wanna give our Democrats a fighting chance in the statewide races. And given the stakes that we've outlined before, like what do you think was the reason for, for that 
smaller number here in Mecklenburg County? Yeah, so I, personally, I, I think there's a lot of different issues that are at play here, but the one that really stands out to me is, you know, what we were talking about earlier. If, if you win a lot of your local races, then you're not going to have that local campaign to remind people to vote, you know, to, to drive enthusiasm, to, to really give people a reason to go out. So, you know, we as, as the Democratic Party, we have to help people understand, you know, the consequences of not turning out in some of those races because those statewide candidates, you know, need us so badly. And so we have to, you know, create that artificial um, enthusiasm that might otherwise be there if you had someone running for state house or, or city council and it was going to be a competitive race. Do you think the, the Trisha Cotham party switch, um, do you feel like that has energized your base here in Mecklenburg County? Absolutely. And I think that that's really, you know, that's what we need to be focusing on is, is how, how can we channel our energy as we get ready for the next uh, cycle? You know, we've got a, a lot of important races coming up in 2023 and obviously in 2024. And, you know, I've been really impressed with our party. You know, we, we've been able to take it in stride and and really try to, to double down and refocus on, you know, building a stronger party and ultimately increasing our, our overall turnout. Have you spoken with folks who are interested in running um, against Cotham if she runs again next year? Um, yes, but I would assume that she's not going to run for that district again. You know, it's my assumption that she, she has aspirations for higher office. So um, I, I don't think she would have made that party switch if she was intending to run for District 112 again. Um, what, what's your challenge? You laid out the, the sort of getting people above that 45% that we saw last year uh, in Charlotte. But when you have a, and we talk about this all the time, um, a, a Republican-dominated General Assembly, but you then have a very Democrat-dominated city here of Charlotte, how, how do you make up for, for what is an often an urban-rural divide, a Raleigh-Charlotte divide, and, and effectively communicate that to uh, voters who often here in Charlotte live in a bubble and, and most of their a lot of their neighbors feel the same way they do. A lot of their um, friends feel the same way they do. You go outside 45 or beyond that and maybe a little bit more. And there's a much more sort of diversity in, in thought. Um, how do you convey that to voters and why that's a, a big deal? Yeah, so I think this is one of those places where I'm really excited to see what our new state party chair Anderson Clayton is able to do. You know, she came from a rural county. And she's really trying to help the Democratic Party reprioritize our uh, communication to rural voters. And I think the Democratic Party historically has has made the decision that, well, rural voters, they're not going to go our way. So let's focus, you know, in, in places, you know, our urban centers, um, you know, where we believe we've got more of our own people and it, it, it's more cost effective for us to really try to, you know, target them and, and, and communicate Democratic values to them. But as a result, we've ended up completely abdicating some of these rural spaces. And I think it's really important on, on the party to, to make that long-term investment, because if people don't hear from us, you know, they're only going to be consuming or, or listening to the ideas of the other side. So we as Democrats need to be, you know, do a better job of going places where we might not be as comfortable and where it might not make the most sense in any one race, but will make more sense long-term. And I, I'm really excited to see what she's able to do, because I know that this is a top priority for her. Do, do you feel that that Democratic voters in, say, Anson County and Democratic voters here in Mecklenburg County, do you think that they share the same interests? I think so. I think we all have a, a baseline, you know, core values that we, that we share. And, you know, we're a big tent party. We've got people who are going to be, you know, more moderate. We've got people who are going to be more progressive. And, you know, I, I believe, though, at the core, we, we have some, some baseline ideas that we all share. All right. Drew Cromer. 
Thanks for coming on Flashpoint and congratulations on the new gig as well. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Drew, thanks. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Republicans in Mecklenburg County get a little stronger in the past month thanks to a party switch from State Representative Trisha Cotham. Now, with more power in the General Assembly and key rulings from the state Supreme Court, the GOP is pushing forward. Joining us now, Lorena Castillo-Ritz. She's the chair of the Republican Party here in Mecklenburg County. Lorena, thanks for coming on to Flashpoint. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. Uh, listen, this past week, abortion restrictions quickly moving through the General Assembly. Um, given that this is a controversial issue and one that a lot of folks are divided on and being that that you are the chair of the mecklenburg county republicans um do you feel like this makes your job more difficult and republicans job more difficult going into next year making the case for voters uh no uh, the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs has made it a state issue. Most North, Carolin North Carolinians would agree that some limitations on abortion are needed. Um, consistent with the view, um, the bill announced Wednesday takes reasonable and a well-balanced approach. Um, it bans abortions after 12 weeks with a few exceptions. Right in the case of rape, in the case of incest, in, in the case of um, uh, uh, there is danger for to the mother, such as an ectopic pregnancy. Um, uh, abortion to the point of birth, supported by some Democrats in the state, including your uh, the, the governor and the attorney general, is both out of touch with the rest of the world and the views of most Carolinians. Um, equally important, the bill contains hundreds and millions of financial support to those who choose life. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to that point, I would still say that, that uh, abortion is still a very controversial issue to a, a lot of voters, especially in Mecklenburg County. I think um, it's probably overwhelmingly um, leaning towards uh, abortion rights, being that it is a, a blue county and Charlotte is a blue city. Um, but but want to move on. A, a lot of people, um, whether it's this or some of the other issues, uh, left slightly uncomfortable with the way some of these votes went down. Um, the votes happening 24 hours within the, the, the bill being filed, um, little to no debate. Um, and of course, there's also the issue out there uh, of the new supermajority Republicans have. Um, do you feel like any of those things are, are fair criticisms? You know, um, the, the abortion bill has been on the table for a long time. So there's been plenty of time for the debate. Um, to that to that note, um, we have a supermajority because um, Trisha Cotham chose to join the Republican ranks. The Mecklenburg Republican Party is pleased to welcome this highly accomplished uh, legislator. Um, she's an experienced leader, a successful educator with two boys, li lifelong advocate of important causes. Trisha represents what all legislators strive to become, regardless of 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 her party. Uh, during her 10 years in service, she has championed improving um, public education, making healthcare more affordable, and growing the local and state economy. She's been doing the right thing by her family, her students, her constituents, and North, Carolin North Carolinians throughout her career. Uh, we look forward to working with her. That said, it was just literally a year ago she tweeted out about her support for Roe v. Wade and strengthening it 
um, at the state level. Do you worry that, that her change of heart um, is going to be a reliable vote for Republicans? You know what? It's strengthened at the state level because it's it, it's not abolishing it. It's still allowing it up to 12 weeks. It's still it, it, there are still some common sense um, way, uh, exceptions in in the bill, as I had stated before. Um, let me talk about uh, municipal uh, races here in the city of Charlotte. Um, as, as you know, the party has struggled um, here in Charlotte when it succeeded greatly in other parts of the state. It struggled here in Charlotte. Uh, Tark Bakari narrowly defeating his rival last November. Do, would you, do, do you think you guys could perhaps pick up some seats um, this year at city council? The reason that I, I, I took this position, and, and, and this is a tough position to be in, let me tell you, I, we definitely are the minority here in Charlotte. Uh, my parents immigrated to this country from El Salvador. Um, it, uh, in 1953 and 1958 for freedom and i think the republican that's what the republican party represents we are going to fight hard uh, we are not going to try and cripple anybody um to take the words of my uh, uh my counterpart in the other party because i believe in freedom i will fight for you every day to have the freedoms that you um that you that you choose to have um crime has increased in the in the t in this town, um, Tark Bakari won by 650 votes. We were also on an off year in an off election during the summer when most people are not out there voting. Crime has increased. Fen fentanyl. Do you know that our city? The last time I checked was number 10 um, in human trafficking. We should not be that way. We are concerned with um, Sheriff McCarrick. Sheriff McFadden's policy to not work with ICE. We are letting in people that are not vetted into this country. Shame on them. Do you feel like those two candidates, Tark Bakari and Ed Driggs, um, will want, run successfully again this year? And can you then pick up any other seats on city council in addition to those two? I absolutely think that they, um, if they choose to run, because the filing date has not come yet, uh, because of the facts, the facts don't lie. And if we run on what the facts are here in the city, yes. Um, we are working hard to move the needle. That's yet to be um, decided. But I think that we can pick up another seat. Uh, it is possible. Um, we have to work hard. Um, but yes, if we run on the facts and what is happening in our city, I don't want our city to uh, go the way of Portland, San Francisco, Chicago, New York. Um, and I think that, and I say San Francisco, that's my hometown. I love it, but we need to, we need to avoid going there. All right, Lorena Castillo-Ritz. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you. We should mention that we've asked Representative Trisha Cotham to come on the show several times. She's been here on Flashpoint countless times over the years, but recently she has yet to return our calls, texts, and emails. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Charlotte City Council mulling over the city's budget for fiscal year 2024 ahead of a big meeting this upcoming week. The proposal focuses heavily on employee retention and investment through several salary increases. It comes amid widespread staffing shortages, especially in fields like law enforcement. As WCNC Charlotte's Colin Mayfield points out, the city is focused on enhancing core services and recruiting.
That's right, Fred, Vanessa, the city of Charlotte is increasing salaries to retain and invest in current and future employees. The budget accomplishes this while staying away from an increase in taxes, at least for this year. We have a $3.3 billion budget and that's all funds. So that's about 2.8% larger than the current $3.24 billion budget. An increased budget proposed this week that doesn't increase taxes or lay off employees. It puts a certain focus on retaining and recruiting talent here in Charlotte, says city manager Marcus Jones. We have a diverse workforce on so many levels and, and maybe one that um, a lot of individuals don't focus on is that it's, it's almost as if we have three different workforces. The city manager announcing to the city council that the proposed budget for the fiscal year of 2024 calls for increases for employees that are hourly, salaried, and the men and women who work in public safety. Make sure that the general fund has the resources that it needs to provide the level of service that we're trying to provide. Hourly employees will see a 6% increase while salaried workers will get 4%. Police officers are slated for an 8% increase while boosting starting officer pay to 10%, including additional raises between 2 and 5% for firefighters. The effort is the city's hope to recruit more people in the wake of impending retirements. We believe we're peaking this year with estimating it to be 91. And the issue is we're not bringing in enough uh, individuals to replace the folks that are retiring. Colin making his first appearance here on Flashpoint. We're back up this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. When our Where's the Money investigation found the city of Charlotte overlooked qualified business owners only to award a game-changing set of pandemic paydays to an uncertified talent coach with connections at City Hall, City council members asked questions. The mayor conceded the city's mistake and the city manager promised changes. Well, this week, Marcus Jones released his proposed budget, which builds on that commitment. Now, as our Nate Morbidos reports, the city is investing additional tax dollars in hopes of giving more folks the opportunity to secure government work. The proposed budget earmarks an extra $1.5 million to what the city council has called one of its key initiatives, plus dedicates an extra $1.4 million to the Charlotte Business Inclusion Office, which in the wake of our reporting, the city manager announced now reports directly to him. Overlooked and undervalued. The city of Charlotte, you speak about diversity, equity, inclusion. Now it's time to walk the talk. Their disappointment spoke volumes. We are qualified and we didn't have an opportunity. Charlotte's Economic Development Department didn't consider a single certified minority business for leadership development work that eventually totaled more than $400,000, including a job for its Corridors of Opportunity initiative. Instead, the agency selected a talent coach whose friend, the department's assistant director, she listed as a bridesmaid in her wedding. Can you understand why some people feel taken aback by this? Well, I would say that we stand beside the process that we went through on this. We made a mistake. The response to our reporting came swiftly with immediate changes. There are opportunities for us to be more intentional. The city continues to put its money where its mouth is. We never stopped working. City manager Marcus Jones presented his budget proposal Monday. We've added three positions to um, Charlotte Business Inclusion. Which includes more funding for the inclusion office, additional money for vendor outreach, and extra dollars for economic development to build minority women in small business enterprise capacity. We need to do better. 
It comes as council members continue to prioritize equitable government spending. I want them to know they got advocates on city council that say we're trying to help you grow. Not just a way to help diverse businesses grow. These small businesses should be able to earn their fair share. But to create generational wealth in the process. When I first started, it was maybe a drip. Now it's a trickle. What we're waiting for is for the faucets to open. The City Council will hold a public hearing on this proposed budget Monday night and will approve a final budget next month. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. Important work there. Come, come interact with us, folks, on our social media pages. Let us know if there's something you wanted to talk about here on Flashpoint. And of course, as always, remember to subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.